Welcome to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Luke Johnson. Welcome, welcome. Uh, my name is Megan Trotter, and I sure wish I didn't have to follow Blaine and Lizzie. Um, I am so thankful that you guys would spend your Thursday night here at the BSM at 402. Um, You came on a great night. We're finishing up the series, as you see on the screen, He Said, She Said. We've been talking about um, biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. And tonight, we're just going to talk about um, how we interact. How on earth do we share the planet together? Um, Just kind of like in the sub-font, it says meaningful relationships with the opposite sex. That's that's pretty much what we're talking about tonight. And if I can be honest, I started like preparing for this, and I was like, holy mess, I don't know, like... I don't know how we do this. Um, And the truth is, is this is a really complicated and simple and heavy and light topic. And so it's got a lot of things that we're going to have to cover in a quick time. And so I'll spare you um, time telling you about myself, and I'll just catch you up on what you missed. So my friend Luke came a few weeks ago, and he talked about a couple of things, about biblical manhood. His points were a biblical man knows God, a biblical man does his job, um, and a biblical man has the best role model, Jesus. I mean, pretty much summed it up as like you can only become what you behold, and so you become who you look up to. And so a biblical man, he looks up to Jesus. He follows Jesus. Summary, in short, you can't be a man if you don't know Jesus. Not, Not to the true sense of the word man, okay? My friend Meg came last week, and she talked about biblical womanhood. Her points were, a woman of God finds her identity in him, not in this world. A woman of God is to have a heart turned towards God, and a woman of God is to reflect Christ. She talked about how God cares a lot less about what's on the outside and cares a lot more about what's on the inside. Um, And essentially, she said, if you want to be a true woman, if like you want to be your truest self, then you really, you need to follow Christ to do that. And so... Short story, Luke and Meg said the same thing, okay? So men or women are not the same. Um, but to really know who you are, you need to know your creator first. And we're going to, I'm going to catch you up just on one, one piece of scripture that both of them reference. So we'll, third time's a charm. Turn to Genesis. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis, the first book of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, or you're just not familiar with it, it's okay. All the scripture we're going to use tonight, most, most of the scripture, is going to be on the TVs, and so you can reference that, especially because we're going to kind of be all over the place, and so the Bible's kind of complicated and confusing to flip through if you're not that familiar with it, but that's okay. We got you. We got you hooked up on the TVs, um, but Genesis is the story of the beginning, like God creating things, and at this point, this, we're about to read verse 26, so you can kind of find it with your finger. Um, but at this point, God has pretty much created out of nothing. He spoke everything into existence, like light and dark. And he spoke the planet, and then he starts creating things that are beautiful on the planet, like the fish and the birds. And we get to verse 26, and here's where we come in. Luke and Meg talked about this, so just kind of recapping. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Like that part. 
So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, I'm just going to keep going just a little bit, and then we'll step back. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I've also given green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, so God's created everything. He looks at the planet, needs something else. He creates mankind. And he creates them different than the way he creates everything else. He creates them in his image. Some of you may have heard this story, um, but something I really want to point out here is um, God created man and woman in his image. You see that? He created them male and female. Sometimes we get in this mindset like that, you know, women were like an afterthought. Like God created man, and then he was like, ah, I guess we can have women too. But like God, God doesn't accidentally create things, by the way. And so um, he created male and female in his image. Are men and women the same? No, but we both carry characteristics of God. I wanted to start here because it's kind of an overview of what, what we should have been in a perfect world, okay? What, what are, what's womanhood and manhood in a perfect world? Because up until this point, the world wasn't bad. Sin hadn't entered the earth. And there's a couple things that probably stand out to you, one of them being that God said, be fruitful and multiply. That's like PG version of, you need to make some babies. And so, yes, sexuality was part of male and female. Like, that was part of our creation. If you didn't know that, you should really go back to your high school A&P class. Um, That we were created male and female because it's part of our sexuality. It has to do with sexuality. Um, But if you'll notice, that's that's like a blip. That's like a blip in this story. It's a command um, but it's, it's not the whole purpose. It's, the part, it's a part of the purpose. There's several other things that stand out to me. For one, I think God created us um, to bear his image, like to be something the world could look to and go, that's what God looks like. It's like be good representations of God, to carry his qualities, different qualities, but carrying God's qualities. Like men carry qualities of God, and women carry qualities of God, and that's part of why he created us. He also created us to obey him. That's why one of the first conversations we had with God was God giving us some instructions. Not because God's a mean, like, boss, but because he knew that we, we would have our fulfillment most when we were serving God. He knew that in the perfect world, we would have a right relationship with God. We would trust God enough to listen to what he says. And so we are created to bear his image. We are created to obey him. And we are created to glorify him to the world around us. And so you see this, yes, we are created to multiply. We are created to have sex. I said it. I'm not going to hang on that, like, no all night. But God also created us to bear his image. He created us to obey him, and he created us to bless the world around us, to take care of it. And, And this is in the perfect world. And it was so nice. And what happened, right? Like, what went wrong? Sin. Sin went wrong. Sin's sin's a word we throw around a lot around here, um, but it pretty much means like we did what God asked us not to do. 
we, we didn't do what God asked us to do. It can be both of those. It, it pretty much means we did not trust God. We thought we knew better. And that's, that's what sin happened in the very next chapters of Genesis. And ever since then, sin spread. Um, Romans 6.23, it's one of the like anthem verses of the BSM. But it starts out with, for the wages of sin is death. And so sin results in death. It kills things. And so from the moment sin entered the earth, it killed. And it killed our perspective of ourselves. It killed our perspective of God. And it most definitely killed our perspective of manhood and womanhood. Okay? And so the world definitely does not look like this. We don't do a good job of bearing God's name or giving the world an image of him. We don't do good at obeying him. We don't do good at taking care of his creation. And that's all due to sin. And tonight, I want to look at some of the things God asks of his people. Because God's good. And so even though we messed up and we, we really like screwed up some things, God still comes back to us to save us and to instruct us back to this perfect this perfection. Um, he's pulling us back through his son, Jesus. Okay? And so he does give his children, the church, so that's what we call the church, is God's children. Um, he gives his church instructions on how they're supposed to interact with each other. So I'm going to do some compare and contrast tonight. Like, what does the world look like, and what does God ask his people to be like? So, let's, tonight, let's, let's jump around, like I told you, starting in Romans 12. Okay? Romans 12, 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I picked this verse to kick us off because God expects his children to act like a family. It's one of the reasons why we call God Father. It's another reason why we're God's children, okay? And that's why we call brothers and sisters. You know, you're a pastor, you're like, brother, whatever your face is. Like, that's why we call them that is because we're a family. And the truth is, is that ohana means family, right? And family means no, no one gets left behind, okay? Family may be dysfunctional. Uh, it may be chaotic. But one thing that family in almost every culture is expected to do is to protect. Love, yes. Provide, yes. But almost always protect. And I think God asked his church to, to protect each other as opposed to tripping each other up. So we're called, that's the first point. If you take notes, that's it. We're called to protect each other, not trip each other up. For one, family doesn't deliberately hurt each other. Your family may have, sin, sin has done that to the family unit, but family at its core is never supposed to deliberately hurt each other. And there's never, there's never a reality where God is okay with another person intentionally harming another person. I'll just be the first to say that. Like, emotionally, physically, there's no space for abuse. And there's no space where we, there's, there's no reality where God wants us to cause each other to sin. That's, there's no reality where he's okay with us tripping each other up. In fact, in Mark 9, 42, he says this, really heavy thing. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone, millstone, were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. Okay? That's Jesus speaking. You know, the Jesus that loves the little children. That one. Jesus has, there's no space for that. Like, God's not okay with abuse. And he's not okay with us hurting each other. We're called to protect each other. 
as Christians, we're all family. Like I said, we're dysfunctional. Um, I want to look at another verse. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2 says, Don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. So here's another family picture. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, but we had a snowpocalypse. Um, on Facebook Live, we, we just cheated and we streamed an old 402. And in that old 402, my friend Clayton talked about dating and he used this verse. And he's like, when you date, you treat whoever you're dating as your sister and as your brother. Because if they're your brother in Christ and you're not married to them, then you are called to treat them like family and protect them in all purity. It's, it's really interesting, and it's really kind of hard to swallow, but the truth is, in the Bible, there's no real thing called dating. It's either you're single or you're married. And if you ain't married, you ain't married. And sex has no place out of marriage. And so this is one of those things where we're called to protect each other, not to trip each other up. And so when we look at our relationships with the opposite sex, there's no room for sex unless we're married. Um, there's also no room to push each other's boundaries and to encourage one another to sin because we are brothers and sisters and we have to look out for each other. I know this is easier said than done, and really this, is, this truth applies to anybody. Like, it doesn't have to be the opposite sex. We, we're called to look out for each other. Like, as the church, we're family. We protect each other. We don't trip each other up. And the goal is for all of us to be closer to Christ. And so if it doesn't bring you closer to Christ, then... It's not good for you. And so we have to protect each other. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Protecting each other also looks like thinking of others in your decisions. Considering where other people are coming from, okay? Um, this, this can be like considering where they struggle. Like how, how stupid would it be for me to go out with my friend who struggles with alcoholism and drink in front of them, you know? It's like, I may not struggle with that, but like how, how unkind and ungracious for me to do that to my friend. There's, there's other ways we could talk about this, like this translates, but we have to think, we have to think, we have to be considerate. That's the word, considerate. And everything we do, we have to think, does this not only benefit my relationship with God, but does it also benefit my circle's relationship with God? So we have to look at other people's strengths and weaknesses, and we have to look at our own. Guys, protecting other people takes a certain amount of self-awareness, okay? Just because they're ready to date doesn't mean that you're dateable, okay? We, we have to have some self-awareness. We have to know our weaknesses and admit when we're not ready to do something, because what happens is we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people. We trip each other up, right, when we're called to protect one another, this doesn't just apply to dating. This applies to all relationships. It doesn't make sense for me to teach you how to pray if I've never prayed before. Um, we, we have to consider each other. We have to look to each other's interests, not just our own interests. Okay, so we're called to protect each other, not trip each other up. Secondly, we're called to work together, not compete. There's this big idea, and you can watch like a bunch of 90s rom-coms and pick it up, that there's this battle of the sexes. This like one has to beat the other, and the other one, whoever, whoever loses, has to submit forever and ever and ever and ever. 
And this idea that, like, it's a competition. Like, if you ain't first, you're last, you know, kind of idea. Um, but there's in Galatians 1.10, oh, sorry, whoop, sorry, going back. 1 Corinthians 11.11 11 says, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man of woman. And so, for as woman was made for man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Sorry, Jasmine didn't put it in there. But essentially saying, like, what came first? The chicken or the egg, you know? Man was here first, so he must be better. And this scripture says, well, that may have been true that man was first, but now man cannot enter the earth without a woman, right? It's like you need women for men to even be here, um, even though man was here first. Adam would have just died, you know, without, without Eve. Um, and so, like, 1 Corinthians 11, 11 says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who came first. Because both are necessary and both are needed. So as we work together, one of the things that we have to do is appreciate strengths and weaknesses. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 15 says, Just as one body has one, oh, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and I'd add, men or women are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Guys, we're all different. Think that, like, motivational speeches from sixth grade taught you that. Men and women are different. It doesn't take scientists and psychologists to know that. We're just different, you know, like not in the boys are stupid, girls are crazy kind of way. We're just different. Like God created us different on purpose. And until we fully appreciate that, we can never understand ourselves. So until I fully understand and appreciate manhood, I'll never be able to appreciate womanhood. We have to appreciate strengths and weaknesses because we're one body that works together. In addition to that, we have to fight criticism um, because we need each other. Like the foot needs the mouth, and the mouth needs the ears, and the ears needs the hands, right? We need each other to function and to move forward. Psalms 139, the whole chapter, but verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I think that's it. Um, oh, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We were made the way we were on purpose. Guys, before, before our mom even knew she was pregnant, like God was intricately designing you the way you are, with your personality, with your giftings, um, with the things that you'd be passionate about, with the funny way that you laugh, like, and your sexuality and your gender. Like God, God was designing you so perfectly. And I think sometimes we just think there's this competition, right? Which is like sometimes, like none of us would want to admit this out loud, but sometimes we just wish we were the other we wish we were the other gender. Like, if I was a man, would people respect me more? Like, if I was, if I was a girl, then my dad would have been nicer to me. Like, we, we think those subtle thoughts, like, here and there. We're like, well, if I was a girl, I'd get away with this, 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 because my sister gets away with everything. You know, whatever it is, sometimes we just think there's this, this competition, and we forget that God chose on purpose who we are. But we also need to understand that God chose on purpose who others are. 
It's like we have, to, we have to quit being critical of other people and critical of ourselves and appreciate that God knows what he's doing. And we need each other. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, I told y'all we'd be all over the place, um, kind of builds on the idea of a body. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Guys, the goal is love. We got to build up. But the only way we build up is when we all work properly and we are all under the head of Christ. And so we all have our part to play and we have to, we have to work together. Like, that's it. It's not a competition. The lineman needs the quarterback. The quarterback needs the corner. Like, it's just, I don't know what, how many analogies it takes, but we got to work together. As Christians, we need each other. Like, we, it's not a lone wolf sport following Jesus. Like, we need each other. And I love this verse because it says, in every way, who is the head? Christ. Which brings me to the third point. We're called to seek Christ, not each other. This is one of the hardest things to learn. And dating aside, we fall for the trap that thinking that other people can fulfill us all the time. We seek our parents' approval, our professor's approval, we, if somebody would date me, then I'd know I'm worth it. Like, we, we fall for these lies where, where we think people can fill our loneliness. But people will never feel you more, will make you feel more loved. They'll never give you your identity. They'll never give you a new name, a new life. They'll never provide for you the way Christ does. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Am I, trying, am I still trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. To be a part of the church means that we have chosen to follow Christ. And if you've chosen to follow Christ, that means you've abandoned the thought of living for other people or living for yourself. And when we look to other people to fill our needs, we do hurt them. Like we trip them up and we compete with them unintentionally when we, because what we do is, what do we do? We compete with all the other girls, like to get the one guy. We compete with all the other guys to get the one girl. Like it, it, it morphs in us more sin because that's what sin does. When anything gets the throne instead of Christ, it just overflows in sin, which overflows in death. And so all of our relationships matter, but our relationship with Christ matters the most. And as the church, we're called to seek Christ, not each other. Your dad, your ex, your best friend, none of those people can fill the eternal need that you have for God. Their approval, their love will not satisfy, and they sure don't know you the way God does. Guys, as a married person, I need you to know that the goal is not marriage. It's intimacy with Christ. Marriage will not satisfy. You'll get there and be disappointed. Because whoever it is that you marry doesn't have what Jesus is, and Jesus is what you need, and Jesus is what you lack. The goal is not marriage, and God doesn't even promise marriage. You need to know that. God doesn't promise marriage. God promises to seek you out with everything, and sometimes that means not marriage. Sometimes that does mean marriage. But, like, we've got to seek Christ and not each other. 
You may be coming here tonight in, from, a, from a variety of different perspectives, okay? You may, you may hate the other sex, okay? You may hate, you may have sworn off all girls because all girls are psycho and obsessive. You know, sometimes. Uh, you, you may have sworn off all guys because they cheat on you, they hurt you, they're emotionally disconnected, whatever it is, like you may have sworn it off. Um, you, may, you may have been hurt by somebody you weren't trying to date. You may have been hurt by like your parent or your sibling and you just realize like it's not worth it. Like friendships and relationships aren't worth it. Guys, if we were just talking about the opposite sex, that wouldn't make any sense. Because I, I'm be the first to tell you that most of my heartbreaks, my true heartbreaks in my life were from my best friends. Right? They weren't, they weren't from guys. Yeah, I've had some ups and downs <laughs> with guys, but most of my pain and my sorrow and my, my relationship trauma is from girls. And that's okay. These, these things still apply. And sometimes, like, we come from these, these stereotypes and we hold these grudges, and God needs to free us from them. Because not only were we, we may know, knew in Christ, so was everyone else who chose to follow Christ which means every other guy that stepped into a relationship with God, every other girl that stepped into a relationship with God. And so it's not fair to keep punishing people who didn't, who've walked into a new life. And you, you may be coming here and you don't hate or avoid the other sex. In fact, you're, you're kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum. Like you carry the need, like the perpetual need to be with someone. Like when you think of what's the worst thing that could ever happen to you, you think never getting married. Like, just to be lonely and to be alone is terrifying to you. And guys, the truth is, is both seeking out and avoiding, like, both are the two extremes here, like, sin has distorted them. That's why they fall in these extremes, because the truth is, is that we do need each other, and we only need Christ. It's both, both true. And sin has distorted it to where we stumble over each other, we abuse each other, sometimes we idolize each other, we compete with each other, sometimes we want to become each other, or we avoid or hate each other. But God calls us into this, this church, this body of believers, where we appreciate our differences, and we work together um, to gain holiness and intimacy with Christ, all in truth. And you may be here tonight, and it looks like, 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 you need to forgive people that hurt you. And you may be here tonight, and you've hurt people. Like, that's the truth. Is some of us, some of us, we haven't been hurt, but we've left awake. When we look through our past relationships, we, we don't have a single bridge we could ever cross over again. Because we're, we're the abusers. We're the hurt. We're the people who hurt people. And that's okay. Wherever you come from tonight, if you're here and you're wondering if you can change, the truth is that you can the kicker is you need to know that other people can't change you. Other people can't heal you. They can't complete you. And you can't do that for anyone else. You can't heal people. You can't complete people. And you can't save people. But Jesus is everything that we could ever hope for. And he's everything that we could have ever hoped to be. He's holy without sin. He's perfect. He's kind. He's gracious. He's the best friend and companion that you could ever ask for. He's full of justice. He knows us. Like, no one's ever going to know you. Like, he knows exactly why we created, what we're created for, and every hair on our head. 
He's everything good that we couldn't be. Our mistakes as people, our sins, they dug us into a ditch that we couldn't get out of. Our sins separate us from God and therefore separate us from all good things. It infected us, it spread like a virus, and it killed us and our relationships, and especially our relationship with God. It kills our view of ourselves, our view of the church, our view of the world. It killed it. Sin kills. The wages of sin is death. And that's why Jesus, who's good and perfect, he died on the cross for us and he offered us a way out of sin, a way out of the hole that we dug ourselves into. Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus rose from the dead and now stands to offer life, real life, not like the life that the world offers, um, a life that lasts, a life that goes deeper than our physical bodies and into our soul, and he gives life back to our relationships. He saves us from death. And the truth is, is that we are a dysfunctional family. Like, the church is a dysfunctional family. And it is only available to those who know Jesus personally. And you may be thinking, well, I've seen churches, and they don't work together, and they trip each other up, and they don't seek Christ. And guys, the truth is, is the church is full of broken people, and the church is not perfect. But without Christ, there's no chance at family, and there's no chance at unity. So you look at the church, and even the small percentage of Jesus that they reflect is more than you could ever reflect without Jesus. It's the closest you can ever get to freedom from sin, and the closest we could ever get back to where, what we were supposed to be. Without Jesus, you can't have that. And if, if you're here tonight, and you want a relationship with Jesus, and you want to enter that family of God, it's pretty simple. Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You can begin a relationship with God, and you can be saved from your sin. Uh, you can walk in forgiveness towards those that hurt you. You can better understand yourself and receive the Holy Spirit all from the chair that you sit in. I'm going to pray for us, and if you do want to make it official and you do want to finally step into a relationship with God, then you can. Um, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for all of us. And I'm going to pray for all of our relationships. God, I just thank you that you're good. That though we messed up everything that, everything that you created, uh, you, you redeemed it. And you've given us a chance. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, that he would die for our sins. And that he would conquer the grave. God, I just pray. And that you would redeem our relationships and our view of relationships. God, that we would um, have healthy relationships with our parents, with our roommates, with our coworkers, with our friends, in our dating relationships and in our future marriages. God, that you would heal what's been broken, that you would fix our distorted view of others. God, I just ask that you would help us as a church at Tarleton State University work together and not trip each other up. Seek Christ above all things and protect each other. God, I just pray that we would protect each other and that you would protect us. God, I thank you that we not only get to have a relationship with each other, as dysfunctional as it is, but we get to have a relationship with you. And that's the best thing we could ever have. God, I just thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Um, as the band comes up, I just kind of want to take us back, full circle, since this is the last part of the series. Um, we look at Genesis, and God created everything, and it was very good. And not by our definition of good, where it's still kind of flawed, but it's good. When God says good, he means there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it was perfect when God created us. And sometimes we can look at the world, and we can look at the way we've been treated and the way we treat other people, and we can just think, how could, how could we ever get back to that point? Well, just like Genesis starts at the beginning, there's this book at the end of the Bible, Revelation, and it talks about the end, the end of time, like the end of the earth. And I just wanted to end by reading this, this picture, this promise from God. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. He's talking about the church. He's like, I saw the church. I saw Christians coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will be with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. See, God restored that relationship with us. And it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And this is my favorite part. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. As you may, you may carry some really deep hurt. Like, when we talk about abuse, it's not, it's not a funny topic. There's nothing to joke about, and many of us have faced that. And honestly, if that's you, like, you're not alone in that. But God can make us new. The things that have been scarred, our trust that's been stolen, the purity that we've lost to sin, God can make it new. And here's proof. Like, God can restore back to us what we lost because of sin. And that's what he does through Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.